Start conversations. Uh, ask questions about people. Be open to these things. But ask genuine questions. Hey, what what do you like to do? And you know, why do you like that? And tell me more about why what you did. And listen to them. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLamb, your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, we'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us and let's make a difference one youth at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Generation Youth Podcast. I'm James McLamb, your host, the proud founder and CEO of Generation Youth. And today I have an extra special guest with me, my daughter, and also a current agriculture education teacher at Wakefield High School in Wake County. Uh, near Raleigh, North Carolina. Sarah Beth. Sarah, how are you feeling about your second year of teaching? I'm feeling good. More confident than my first year. Um, I'm starting to settle into things, get a little more comfortable, um, more excited because I know more what I'm doing, but still very fresh. Um, <laughs> still have those first day jitters. First week we just finished up. Um, so I'm still getting to know the kids, but very exciting. Well, I, I think I felt most uh, that I accomplished the most growth from my first to second year. I think I refined and got better every year, but I really think my first to second year, I saw the greatest amount of growth because I wasn't just winging it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like a night and day difference. Just the difference in how I prepared and what mm -hmm. seems to matter to me now. It matters more you know, how much fun the kids are having with plants because I teach horticulture. So how much I'm getting them in the greenhouse versus, you know, how much I'm just focusing on just the tests that they take at the end more so this yeah. day to day I care more about now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, today, Sarah Beth, is a very different episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. And then we're going to answer questions that I have been receiving over the last few weeks as schools have began to start up all across the nation. I get questions from uh, both youth as they're going into the classroom, parents, as they're concerned about those and from educators as well. So we thought we'd take today and go over some of the questions. And I gave you the list of questions. So I think our first segment is going to deal with questions from youth, correct? Yes, yes, I have those in front of me now. So our first question um, is from Tina, who is a junior in high school. And she asked, how can I manage academic pressure? Well, that is a very common problem that we see youth today facing that they report. Uh, recent studies have shown that about 70% of teens report being stressed by academics. Now, a lot of that's because of stress of making sure that they make that grade or, or do well on that test. And so if you've got problems with this, that there are so many things that you need to do, but let me give you one practical piece of advice. And one is to try to breaking down the biggest task into smaller ones and Therefore, it'll help you get your goals accomplished more. Let me give you a for instance. When I was in uh, high school, I was notoriously last minute on projects. 
And my stress was self-induced most of the time because I would wait until one or two days before to start on a project and then realize I didn't have time to get it completed. I don't have time to get this uh, big project or big paper that I had to do completed because I've waited around. You know, it was assigned three weeks ago and I've now waited four days before and I just don't have the time. So the stress and the pressure that I had was was self-induced. But if I'd have broke it down into smaller tasks, it would have been much more easily accomplishable. Um, and I also encourage you to really prioritize your mental health. Take some breaks every now and again. Take some time away from it. So, so and, and just tell the people that you're that's in your life, your parents, your family, hey, I need a break from this. Can we have a day away? Can we do this? Utilize digital planners now. Those are very popular. I would say, though, that a planner in which you write in is, I know that's old school, but it's probably can be more effective than a digital planner as far as long term. And we could talk about that in a future episode as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. So our second question um, is from Jake, who is a freshman. Um, and he wants to know how he can fit in at his new school. So I guess he switched schools um, going into high school. So he wants to know how he can fit in. You sure this didn't come from your brother about six years ago when he was going from <laughs> when he was a freshman? <laughs> same name, same situation. Uh, well, look, many teens do feel out of place uh, when they're going to a new school. I mean, you've experienced that uh, having, well, I think you went to four different schools over your tenure. Yeah. Yeah. So. He, uh, you know, you're going to experience that kind of stress of going in. How do I fit in? I think more importantly than trying to fit in, because you really don't know what you're trying to fit in with, fit in what kind of culture, what kind of good, is really trying to find your people, find your tribe, to find people who have similar interests that you can be yourself with, not that you have to pretend to be something else with. So. One of the most effective ways is to find an extracurricular activity, a club, a sport, student government, service projects, anything like that speaks to you that you have an interest in. If you go and get involved with that, you may find others that have similar interests, similar values, uh, similar personality, and therefore start to get your tribe. You're not trying to fit in. You're just finding those that automatically uh, have those similar interests. Uh, I think. For me, you know, I, I went to a, a high school. It was a moderate size high school, not too, not too small, not too big, but we knew each other really well. But it still was those extracurricular activities that seemed to draw people together more. So I would really highly encourage you to do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be sports or arts, even though those are great ones to do. Clubs, student government, even service projects, volunteering for those. All those can help you find your people. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even say, like, you don't have to find just one. I was involved in several mm -hmm. things outside of it. And I had different groups of people who I called on for different things. So I thought that was helpful, too. Yeah, you were very diverse when you were coming through. I mean, the, the your tribes were very, you know, in different areas, different arenas of life. And yeah, they still are. Quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, still are. All right. So our third question comes from a girl named Emma, um, and she wants to know how she can balance homework and her free time. Ooh, homework versus free time. Well, balancing is the key. And I think communication with your parents, communication with your family to understand you know, that I need a balance because you're going to get a certain amount of homework from your school, no matter what your condition is. 
Educators have a certain amount of work they need to cover. They have lesson plans. They have systems. They may be able to help you with some of this, but more of this is going to be between you and your parents trying to find the balance. Data does show that excessive homework can lead to burnout. So trying to learn effective time management, like we said earlier in the thing about breaking stuff down into smaller pieces, and having effective study techniques are crucial. If you struggle with that, look up on YouTube some different studying techniques and see if those work for you. See if there are any that might speak to you in a way that would help you. And if need to be, maybe help uh, connect with an academic coach in your area that could give you some tips for this. I, you know, but you really need to have your parents help you identify how to have that work-life balance, uh, how to have that balance of, here, I got homework and you're not doing it excessively. It does concern me when I hear about teenagers in high school staying up to 12, 30, 1 o'clock at night doing homework and then having to turn around and get up at 5.30 or 6 in order to get to school on time. That's not enough sleep. That's not prioritizing their health, both mentally and physically. It's going to suffer because of that. So we've got to do some balancing acts so it's not too much. Yeah, I have some students who I teach and they tell me they, they're up until 3 a.m. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Why? like what's going on and they're like oh I had sports and then I stayed up and did homework and I played on my phone I did all this I'm like oh baby no like you gotta sleep (laughs) hey the thing that we also need to you want to have less stress on homework maybe back off smartphone for a while for those of you are listening I'm holding up my smartphone maybe you need to back off of that for a while and stay away from the electronics as much as you can they do have really cool settings now that you can set that you're doing school or personal or work or something. And so it limits your notifications too. So it's not mm-hmm. off, but it limits it. So I do that. That's really cool. Well, Sarah, before we move on, tell me more about your second year teaching journey. Yeah. So this year I find it's been a lot more rewarding um, up front. Something I've noticed is I know a lot more of the kids. I know more of the staff that I'm working with. So it's been a lot of fun preparing. Um, I've only had one week under my belt so far, but I mean, I've connected with the kids really quickly. um, And I feel like it's because I'm trying to make those learning experiences more meaningful for the students. Um, So instead of having on our first day, instead of just going straight through the syllabus, um, I had the kids outside and they were doing something called a goose chase um, where they had to do a self tour of the ag area, um, get to know where everything was, get to figure out more about me as their teacher, find stuff in the syllabus, but they had to do missions to do it. And so they worked with a group um, just trying to make everything more meaningful to them instead of it just be a lot of me talking. I'm trying to split it so it's a lot more hands-on so that they get to interact with each other and get just that more social time, but also Mm -hmm. time um, because they learn so much from each other compared to learning from me. Um, I can talk to them all day and they won't hear half of what I say, but their Hmm. friend says something. They'll hear them immediately. So it has been really fulfilling. I don't feel drained after the first week. I feel very energized. I'm so excited to go back to school um, right after Labor Day, which is weird. A lot of other teachers I feel like that I've talked to are just waiting. They want the three-day weekend to last forever, but I'm excited to see them again. So, (laughs) Well, congratulations on the successful start here. So, Well, our second segment is questions from parents. What did the parents send me? All right, let's see here. So Julie, um, she is a mom. Um, She wants to know how she can control screen time at home. Well, we just hit that. That was a question. What a great transition. 
uh, question before, and you uh, kind of hit on that in talking about that we need to have screening limits. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends screen limits. Do you know how long the average teenager spends on their smartphone a day? I want to say like two hours, but I know I'm probably wrong. Seven hours is what has been reported. Oh, Seven wow. hours. Now, let's take it, you know, that's collecting data from the phone where it says you're on. So some of that may be a nuance where the phone is on, but they're not really doing anything with it. But seven hours still, even if you took it in, you know, down a, a third of that, you're still looking at four and a half hours. That's still way too much time that we're spending on this. So screen time limits are essential. Establish maybe tech-free zones in your house or times like during meals. Put your phone away during a meal. Put your phone away during a meal. Put your phone over here during this time. You know, this is our family time. We need to. So parents need to do that first. I know, and, and you've talked about this with me before, that some teachers are creating tech-free zones in their class where they have, you know, spaces at the front. Put your phone here as you come in. You're not going to need it. That happens some, and that's going to help tremendously. But I think it needs to happen at home. And it definitely needs to have a curfew. I do not think no matter what their age is, maybe in their senior year, you give them a little bit more freedom on this, but definitely not early on. I don't think you give them, let them have the phone going into the evening. I think that is, and for a parent who said, hey, James, my kid is, that's going to be an argument I don't want to fight. Well, what we're learning as far as the health problems that are coming from cell phone usage, from smartphone over usage, especially access to social media, is it's just as harmful is what smoking is. And it's certain, you know, as far as their overall well-being. Now, not physically, but their mental health, you know, it, it can be as damaging as what smoking was viewed as as damaging was. So therefore, we need to treat it in that way. We need to have restrictions on it. We need to back them away uh, from this. And so that's a fight you need to get in. Yeah. You need to establish it early. So if you're a parent that's listening and you have a middle schooler or elementary schooler that has not got a phone yet, and, and I would highly recommend delaying that as long as possible, as close as you can get to ninth grade, eighth, ninth grade, I certainly would not let them have social media until they're past 16. I know that's going to be against the norms. I know that they're going to be ostracized. You know, they may be picked on because, hey, you don't have Snap. You can, I can't send you a Snap. I can't do that. Well. You're going to, it is going to be better for your child if you wait. Just trust me on that. Yeah. Yeah. And something else um, that I found kind of funny, but also fun um, between me and my fiance is we have like a competition every week to see who's on their phone less. Like obviously mm -hmm. within reason, because we use it for work, but on iPhones, it gives you your weekly screen time report and mm -hmm. we have a competition to see whose is lower. Um, and like what they were using it for. So like if we were on social media a lot, we can see that we have a competition every week. Um, so maybe that could be something you do with your family is who has the That's lowest. That's a great idea. That is yeah. a great tip, especially if you have teenagers that are the same age. Hey, the one that has the least amount of screen time and parents, you're going to need to probably put your own parental apps on there to check because there are ways to get around it, you know, that to, you know, to jailbreak phones and do stuff like that. And, figure out how to cheat on the apps. But if you put an app that only you have control over, then you might have a more accurate on it. So very yeah. good question. All right. Our next one is from Derek, and he wants to know how we can teach our children to be resilient. I think resilience is really built through experiences and challenges. 
And resilience really comes from a lacking, uh, letting the kids face these adversities under control conditions so they do not get hurt and there's not permanent harm, but also it allows them to fail if they need to. Very often we're finding that parents have moved from being a helicopter parent, which a helicopter parent is a parent that hovers over everything, monitors everything they do, wants to see what they're doing, wants to be involved in everything. We've moved from that now to almost a snowplow parent that is out in front of the child pushing away all obstacles and everything out of the way so the path is, is easy for them. Neither one of them are healthy. We need to let children have their especially teens, have their privacy within reason and also to face challenges and obstacles. Let them fail without getting involved. You heard the discussions as you and Jacob, you know, and we're still having them with your younger sister, as you were going through and you were facing challenges at school, maybe through athletics or academics, and there's that immediate impulse as a parent to want to run and save you. Oh, all right, I, I got to I got to help them get on this team because, you know, I know what's going on. I, I got to help them with this grade. I need to do this. When we chose most of the time just to let you stand and follow on your own. So, yeah. It's and that's them a growth mindset by praising yeah. their effort, not just the results as well. And coming from like, y'all did that growing up. When I got to college, you guys weren't there to fight my battles for me. And so when I didn't do good on a test, freshman year, I did not do so hot in some biology tests. It was my job to go to the professor mm -hmm. and talk to them and figure out how to move on. And I was able to do that because you guys gave me that freedom to solve my problems in high school. Versus the stories that we're hearing very often from some snowplow parenting that there's a, I've heard a story of a mom moving, wanting to move in the first week of college for their child to move in the dorm with them. So oh. that they could help them acclimate. What is up with that? And it because the school wouldn't let them, the parent in turn got a hotel closed so they could stay there for the first week to help their child do the things they needed to do. I mean, yeah. Anyway. And correct me if I'm wrong, I turned out just fine. So if you're worried that, you so know, good. Yeah. solve problems, I guarantee you give them the chance. They will surprise you time and time again. But yeah. I turned out all right. And they're <laughs> gonna fail and they're gonna they're gonna do things that you're, you may be disappointed with, but you again realize that the long-term goal is to produce a successful adult, not to have success every day as a teen. And sometimes yeah. that needs to fail. So, yeah. All right. So our third question from parents um, is from Anne, and Anne wants to know how to prevent the their child from experiencing burnouts. From a personal perspective, I think that burnout in young people is not only increasingly common, but it is a result of more apparent expectations and requirements and pressure than it is really the school. Because if you've helped your child set realistic goals and encourage well-rounded development in them and help them learn a balanced schedule with life, then they're going to realize there are some times I need to back away and have fun. But there are often times we look at it and we say, you've got to do well. This is the most important part of your life. If you do not do well in school right now, you're not going to get into that college. You're not going to get that college. You're not going to get that job. And we know that the majority of the time, that's just not true. That if they take time, if they take, even if they don't measure up to that expectation and need, or they don't get into that first choice, top ranked school that you think they get in, in reality, 
their life is probably going to be can be as successful or more if you're teaching them to set realistic goals and create a balanced life schedule. So that's really what I want to say is parents, you need to be real. Don't live vicariously through your kid. I want them to make top grades and be number one in their class so that it looks good on me. And want them to go to this prestigious school because it looks good on me. You need to be real. And our last segment that we have here comes from some of the educators and coaches, athletic coaches that have sent some questions. What do we got on them? All right. So the first one is about increasing engagement. So Megan wants to know um, tips on increasing classroom engagement. Wow. It's been a while since I've been in classroom, so I'm relying on you some for this. But one of the things that I tried to do very effectively was to, number one, make every lesson personable if I could. How can this apply to them immediately? Why is this applicable to what they're learning? You know, what, what how they're living their life so that they don't go out. I was uh, I saw a, a meme recently where someone said, hey, I didn't learn anything about how to do my taxes in uh, high school, but I know that the mitochondria is the uh, the powerhouse of the cell. So, you know, and, and, and I'm not, I taught animal science and plant science. So that was an important aspect of it. But I do understand what the principle was they're saying is make the learning applicable. I tried to switch up my teaching methods as much as I could. Kids have, you know, maybe a 10 to 15 minute attention span. If you're lucky, they're more like, you know, seven to eight almost things. So trying to move directions, even if I was in a lecture standpoint, this was just my personality. I would try to interject a story or some humor about every seven to eight minutes minimum, you know, so that they could keep them alive. And I used questions to drive my lectures. So I would ask them questions. And, and engage with them on those. Not yes and no questions, open questions, and just let the learning flow and see where they were going. And a lot of times it just it just made the whole experience for me much more um, effective. Now with the ability to use videos and interactive quizzes and Kahoot and all kinds of things like that, you have so much more ability to do stuff than I did. It's just quite amazing. So any suggestions yeah. you have? Um, so something that I try to do with my students is that the first week, so that's all we've had so far, and I said that it was going great, was part of the reason it's going well is because I take a lot of time up front to get to know my students, um, get to know their likes, interests, so that I can use it in the lessons. Just knowing your students will automatically, they'll listen to you more because they know that you care about them enough to get to know mm -hmm. them as a person. You don't just see them as another person who's got to pass one of your tests. Um, you see them as someone who's growing and they have interests of their own. And the more you can incorporate those things, um, the more they're willing to listen to you. And so, um, like I said earlier, I try to split my class. So it's 50% lecture, 50% hands-on. Um, that's just the nature of the course that I teach. Um, yep. But I do try to incorporate stuff that they like. So even if it's just music while they're working on something, if I heard a student say they like this type of music or they like a song, as long as it's school appropriate, like I'll play it for them. And then when they hear their song come on, they're like, she listened to me. She heard me say I like this song. And it doesn't matter so much like what you're saying to them, like how you're trying to teach them. It's how you show that you care about them um, yep, is exactly. one of the tips I'll say. Yeah. All right. So moving right along, our next question is from a coach. So 
Coach Mike is what he put his name <laughs> as, um, ask how to addr address anxiety in the classroom or during games. So it sounds like he might be a teacher and a coach. Well, anxiety is real. We've seen increase on it over the last few years. Uh, affects about 25% to a third of all teens daily and report experiencing some kind of anxiety. As a result of COVID, we saw that number increase uh, quite significantly to up into the 40%, 47% range. Uh, so it is something that we have to uh, be alert for, and we have to create an, a, an environment where the students and the players can feel safe being there. And, and I'm not talking about an environment which everything is just happy and go lucky, but I'm talking about an environment where they don't feel like they are threatened, uh, that they don't feel like that their effort, if it's not the best, is going to result in them being abused uh, emotionally, verbally, in some way or not. I remember very distinctly being yelled at one time playing football when I wore the wrong socks to practice. Right? We had a certain amount of socks that we were supposed to wear, team socks to wear to practice. And I didn't wear the right socks. And I got yelled at. And it kind of was, you know, affected me quite a bit. And if it hadn't been for something else, I think we would have um, probably had to run some laps on that stuff. Now, I am all for a coach being there and, and pushing their kids to succeed. But I'm also understand, and our interviews have shown this, you can go back to several of the interviews we've had with, with athletic uh, mindset coaches recently that they will say that it is more a, a coach that that shows their athletes that they care and that really provides that environment so in a classroom setting well what are some of the ways that you help them with anxiety as well yeah so something that I do is I set my expectations really high for my student. I expect a lot out of them. And I tell them that up front, that my expectations are high because I believe they can achieve a lot. But I also emphasize that the weight of the world does not rest on their shoulders. So if they don't meet an expectation, it's not the end of the world. We'll just work to meet it next time. And something else is, especially going into my second year, is I'm not afraid to step back and realize the students need a break especially teaching high school, there's so much going on for the kids. They're worried about SATs. They have AP classes. They have sports, extracurriculars, all these things that we were talking about earlier that they think they have to succeed at very early on um, going on. And so if I notice that the class is, you know, under a lot of pressure, even just a few kids, I'll step back and we'll go on a nature walk around school. Um, oh, wow, nice. Yeah, we'll just go outside for a few minutes, take some deep breaths. Um, I give them some time to just journal. I try to do that at least every other week, give them some time to write or go on a walk just because there's so much going on. Because like I just said, expectations are very high and I expect a lot, but the whole weight of the world does not rest on their shoulders, even though it feels like it sometimes. And so giving them that break and going back to making those closer connections with students um, lets them know that you care enough and that you'll listen. And so part of the reason I'm able to do that is because they tell me. Mm. And so they didn't tell me they're really good at hiding things and I wouldn't always be able to tell. But because I have that relationship with them, they are not afraid to look at me and say, hey, we need a break. We, we mm -hmm. have all this other stuff going on, or they'll just be talking about everything else. And I listen to him and I hear them and also giving them that break or that chance to share and then trying to help with it. That helps them. It builds our relationship a little bit deeper too. It's not just me listening to them and then giving them ton more work to do. It's me listening and caring. Oh, nice. Very nice. Very nice. Well, what we got next? 
All right. So it looks like we have some extra time. So we have a lightning round um, with 10 very quick questions. So I'm going to ask you the question and you're going to answer real quick, one sentence or less. Okay. So best study hack. Uh, teach it. Uh, how, get it. Teach it to understand it better. Awesome. Okay. An easy, healthy lunch idea. Um, you need to have a variety of lunchy things. So those uh, bento boxes, y'all know what bento boxes are? Like, I think they're kind of a Japanese invention initially. Have the little compartments in it. Great way to get healthy items is you can put things in there, separate them, and, and prepare your lunch and have a variety every day instead of just having the same junk uh, uh, every day. All right. End of day energy booster. Quick stretching. Um, is it, Who's this from? Who asked that question? Uh, it's from a teacher. A uh, teacher. Okay. Uh, yeah. Quick stretching types of things, mini games uh, in the afternoon. If you're trying to get your 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 students energized, um, you know, getting them to move around some, I think is because they, they want to go to sleep after lunch, especially. So it's always good to get them up and moving. All right. Next one. This one's from a student making new friends. Start conversations. Uh, ask questions about people. Be open. To these things but ask genuine questions hey what what do you like to do and you know why do you like that and tell me more about why what you did and listen to them all right next one this one this one's from a parent but it could also go for students how to approach a teacher Ooh, uh be respectful uh these teachers work very very hard they work very hard they have long hours they're stressful there's a lot of stress that you don't even know that they have. So be very respectful and aim for a, a collaborative solution. If you're coming to them with a problem, don't go in to say it's going to be my way or you're out. Look for collaborations on this because I'm sure you're not the first conversation they've had that month. And, and they need someone who is shows them that they're also supportive of them. All right. Next one. This is from a teacher. How to deal with distractions. Uh, distractions like... Uh, yeah, you, the students yeah. are making distractions. Okay. Uh, I would always kind of give them, uh, without saying anything, kind of give them some nonverbal cues, you know, trying to, you know, give them an eye look or, you know, just a quick hand up saying, you know, quiet down or, you know, give me a second, you know, one like that. And if it's still a problem, change seating, move them around some because maybe it's just the two that are together on this a lot of time proximity works and what i mean by that is i would move to stand next to a troublemaker sometime and, and i have literally taught from the third seat in the back corner you know standing next to the third seat in the back corner and uh or ask them to be your assistant i i remember specifically there was an, a, a student and we were doing a, a thing where i was writing some notes on the board and i was fortunate enough that i remember this particular student had this is not very quick on the rapid fire questions, but it, um, he had a uh, good handwriting stuff. So I called him to the board and I had him write the notes as I would tell him. So that mm -hmm. got him out of it. Now it took a little while for him to get over his, hey, I'm, I'm the center of attention clown, but he started taking it seriously after a while. So. Awesome. Okay. Um, next one. This one's from a student. Difficult subject. Break it down. Uh, seek extra help if you need it. Put it in small parts. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Awesome. This one's from a parent could also go for a teacher, emotional well-being of students. Yeah, make sure you, you the lines of communication with them are open, that they feel like they can trust you. They'll share if they trust. Mm -hmm. And you can trust by just opening those lines of communication. Validate your feelings. Please never say, 
hey, you know, that's not that's not right. You don't feel that way. How do you know how they feel? Oh, yeah. I, you know, you need to examine those things. All right. Uh, this is from an educator, parent-teacher communication. Uh, and these days, you can you can do it a lot more effectively than you could when I was teaching. So be proactive about it. Use digital platforms as much as possible. Email them. Maybe put them in a, a, a text thread if, if that's appropriate. I would not recommend that entirely unless, you know, in there. But a lot of uh, schools use platforms that they're able to communicate with teachers through. And so parents are able to communicate with parents through. So teachers can use those platforms. What do you guys use? We use talking points. So it's like a text message thread, but it's through their grading system. So all the information for the parents goes through how they access their students' grades. We never see their phone number. They never see ours. Um, mm -hmm. That's good. For us, but if not, I would look into it. That one's really good. Okay, and last rapid fire, handling criticism. Well, if you're a student and you're getting criticized, take it constructively. Uh, please understand that most people who are giving you criticism are actually trying to help you. So take it constructively, try to improve. If it comes from someone that is actually trying to be mean, again, look for some validity in it. Okay, is something they're saying is right? And if it, they're just being mean and they're just saying all kinds of weird stuff on this, you may just have to blow it off. But if it's constructive criticism, you know, try to improve upon what they're saying because they're trying to help. Yeah. All right. That was the end of the lightning round. <laughs> oh, well, one thing I want to share with the group is, is if you want to know a little bit more about the problems that youth are facing today, you can go to 10 youth problems. That's T E N youth problems.com. And you'll get our uh, resource that we have available for you. Uh, the 10 biggest problems facing youth today. And in that particular uh, section, it lists countless problems that we go through, depression, social media, bullying, peer pressure, all different types of things in which uh, youth are struggling with that they're uh, having, and some practical tips that they can do. Now, this is just an introduction to this whole concept in this world, but you can find some help there. So if you're listening, go to 10youthproblems.com. And if you were watching this, you can see it's on the screen. All that information will be in the show notes as well. So, so this episode was really packed with a, with a lot of insights. Thank you for helping make this episode engaging. Yeah, thank you. I, I really enjoyed being on this podcast. And um, I'm really hoping this helps those as they're starting a new school year. Parents and teachers, be there for your students. And students, please don't give them the hardest time ever. They care about you. <laughs> And thank you, audience, for sticking with us. Listen, if you are with us now, you found value in this episode, and you know someone that could benefit from hearing or viewing this as well. So please like, share, and comment on this, and we'll see you again next week on the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it, another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. 
This journey is just starting. So keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.